I went to the store to buy some milk, picked up a carton, and saw Gabe Brown's face on the side. The verdict is in, between football season and basketball season, the advanced stats will lie to you every time. Mel Tucker may not be plucking coaches from other programs yet, but with the raises he's getting them, the Federal Reserve has changed their inflation forecasts. We'll get into it all, your Twitter questions, and a preview of a game against a team that thinks a Cornhusker is a mascot. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by the man who irons his underwear in the morning, Kevin Greck. Thank you, of course, for listening, and if we could ask you a small favor, please share the pod with the Spartans in your life, give us that retweet, and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod, and of course, rate, review, and smash that subscribe button so you get the podcast every week. And uh, if you can leave a review, it makes my mom very, very happy. Kevin, other than starchy, how are those undies feeling today? Pretty good. Nice and pressed, clean. Uh, I'm happy with it. I've got a little extra stride in my step this morning. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, I've folks, also got uh, a little Bell's lighthearted ale in me. Not ooh. really, but for the purposes of this next segment, we'll, we'll say that we do. Yes, uh, as, as uh, regular listeners know, uh, we this show is presented to you by Fraser's Pub in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the old Packer Street, Packard Street. Um, and a couple great things about Fraser's. First, they do a beer of the month. Uh, it coincides sort of; they got a rotating tap selection. But the beer of the month is a twenty-three ounce for the same price of a pint, and. For the month of February, it's the Bell's Lighthearted Ale, which is Boom. an easy drinking beer, only 110 calories. Also, want to let you know, Fraser's has a brand new Monday Burger special, and what's new about it is you get more burger for the buck. Uh, now on Mondays, you get a third pound burger with fries for only 5.99. Also, want to give a shout out to one of our favorite listeners, Raymond Chains. That's Chains <laughs> with like eight Z's. For Z's making make it. the Z's make it, Raymond took a trip to Fraser's, and we couldn't be more thankful, uh, listeners. If you get a chance to go there, I know we've asked in the past for you to, you know, give us a shout out to the staff there. No more. Don't feel that pressure. Instead, just tweet at us. Take a pic. Raymond did. He shot it over to us in the DMs. It was great. So if you get a chance to go over to Fraser's Pub in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Greg, we highly recommend it. And Raymond shot us a question about Fraser's. We'll get into a little bit later in the Twitter section. Exciting. Can't wait for it. I'm going to pair yes. it with another Bell's Lighthearted Ale, which is aromatic and balanced. <laughs> I I think my favorite part of doing the Fraser's plug is reading the ridiculous descriptions that, that beer companies come <laughs> the up with. The breweries give for their <laughs> – the marketing departments give for their beer. <laughs> I, I, want, <laughs> I want a beer that describes itself as a bit of a challenge to drink. Well, you know, I'm looking for something that's both balanced and aromatic. What would you recommend? <laughs> well, that's the Bell's Lighthearted Ale for sure. No question. I did actually have one this week in East Lansing, and it was pretty good. I'm, I was pleased with it. Could you compare it to something? Uh, well, I mean, the drinkability is off the charts. <laughs> so I would compare it to other equally drinkable beers, such as every other beer that's ever existed. 
<laughs> Except for no. sours. Dude, I've been handed some micro brews that were not that drinkable. So it's actually, yeah, yeah it sounds pretty good for a, for a mass market beer. But anyway, let's tell the people the structure of the show in case they're not already aware. Sure, it's we not do just have Frasers and and Bell's talk the whole time <laughs> and pressed underwear. Uh, no, uh, in fact, uh, we we've been picking up some new listeners, and we're very thankful for you uh, hopping on the can't read, can't write train. It has been a bit of a ride for the past two weeks, and so hopefully with news settling, you'll get used to our normal format, which is first we have a segment called the Green Wall, where we cover the the stories that have been going on in MSU sports in the preceding week. Then we move off Grand River, where we talk about some of the headlines in college sports generally, move on to some Twitter questions, and then wrap it all up with a preview of the games ahead of us in the next week. And of course, sprinkle it with our beloved Not A Sponsors, which is, in contrast to Frazier's, not real sponsors. Frazier's real sponsor, Not A Sponsors, just good fun. So, Greg, with that, yeah. let's head behind the green wall here. You know who is a green wall? Who? Mel Tucker. I've been in the room with this man two times this weekend. What? What? Yep. And by in the room, I mean <laughs> Mun Ice Arena in Breslin Student <laughs> Center. I thought maybe you actually did get to meet him and hadn't told me about it, and I was I have, I have furious. Mel Tucker, but he he's got a presence. He you can tell where he is. I was on the other side of the arena most of the time uh, at Mun, and you can like tell he's the big dude over there. Um, he uh, he did well in both of his speaking engagements. Uh, he seemed to get along great with the fandom. He was getting really into the game. I remarked to someone uh, that I was going to the game with that uh, for the Maryland or for the Maryland game. Yeah, that uh, I mean Mel Tucker's got to be the guy because he's really into it even during uh, during timeouts. And the guy responded <laughs> like. No, he just wants everyone to see him at the wrestling center, <laughs> which there's probably an element of truth to that. But he he was energetic. He was giving it his all in both uh, environments. And uh, so far from what I've seen to Mel Tucker, I'm here for it. Yeah, and I, I think it was just on Twitter, but was giving shout outs to the baseball program. I am loving the enthusiasm he's bringing already to all Spartan athletics. Indeed. But... Let's talk about where there's been a lack of enthusiasm, uh, which is some of the national coverage of Mel Tucker leaving Colorado. And I think nothing sort of typifies this coverage more than an article that was co-authored by Pat Forty over at Sports Illustrated. Or are they just going by SI now? it doesn't matter. It, it, well, I mean, how? which ways do you want to mortgage the brand? Do you want to not say all of Sports Illustrated, or do you want to hire Hondo Carpenter? Which, like... <laughs> well, we'll get, it, we'll get into Hondo here in a second. Uh, but the gist of the article was chronicling the final hours of Mel Tucker being the head coach of Colorado before he accepted the deal with Michigan State. And it was a woe is me article for boosters at CU because while Mel Tucker was actively negotiating a contract with Michigan state, he held a booster event in Colorado to raise money for a program that he was leaving. And somehow um, this invite only uh, at 
the nicest country club, the oldest country club west of the Mississippi, self-proclaimed, um, with what I can only assume is very well-to-do uh, alumni. Um, we should feel bad for them? Question mark? Uh, so I get when you make the argument that prospects don't commit to a program, they commit to a coach, I have a better understanding of that. But if you're a booster, you, presumably you're a booster because you're a Colorado alum. You're making a commitment to the program. It's much right. less to do. Now, I understand that Mel's there and he is giving his strategic vision of the program moving forward. But every coach is going to give roughly the same speech. And you're only there because you have some pre-existing you know, affiliation with Colorado Occasionally, when I get phone calls from MSU, they do get money from me, and they don't get money from me because of the person on the phone. They get money from me because it's MSU calling as an institution. So I have very little sympathy <laughs> for boosters anyway, and well, then and for these boosters specifically. Yeah, I mean, also, it is a – how am I supposed to feel bad for people who got to – Huddle around in a semicircle, listen to him talk, and then have a Q and A session about the football team. It, it, that that's like complaining that you donated to a political candidate at some you know high dollar fundraiser, and then were upset that they dropped out of the race. Yeah. You know, the next day, like I, I have no sympathy for you being able to buy access that the most of us don't have. I zero sympathy. And then one booster who apparently hosted the event said um, that they were going to send Mel Tucker the bill for the event because now he can afford it. <laughs> shut up. Like, shut up. It, I just, I have other words written in the outline about how I feel, but we're PG-13 here. Got to keep it good for the Apple podcast, man. Family show. Yes. I just, I can't. With, you know, and and I, look, we may have listeners who who have the opportunity to get some access like that, um, but I just I can't feel bad for for someone, uh, who, who you're you're mad at the coach of your program who's literally working for your program up until the last second. Yes, I, I I don't, but. So I, I thought this article was pretty garbage um, and <laughs> way too sympathetic to uh, and and pa painting MSU as a villain. That has but been the tone for a lot of articles this week. <laughs> my favorite thing, though, is that they attributed Bruce Feldman of The Athletic with breaking Mel Tucker to MSU, mm. though <laughs> I think Hondo Carpenter disputes that. And in fact, there might be truth to that Hondo had it first. And Hondo works for SI. Mm. So the mere fact that mm. Hondo, Hon Hondo, they wouldn't even give a hat tip to their own reporter. Can't catch a break. Comical to me. And I don't think they realize that in the past he's been a, not a sponsor for broadcast journalism uh, <sighs> education. He's Come the on, real Pat. deal. Pat 40, get it together, man. We need your synergy and we need you to understand all of our previous not a sponsors. <laughs> I, Somebody so, tweet the show at Pat. Let him know that we criticized him during yes. the first segment. Uh, so I, one of the things that, that people have been raising that I, I guess 
I, I would put to you, and, and maybe this puts you a little bit on the spot because we didn't prep for it. But that, sure, let's go. Um, do you think Luke Fickle would have been getting the same flack if a similar thing had happened with him? Is this the race thing? Is that what you're getting at? I mean, it, it are could you toying be, around or, the race thing? It, 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 yeah. It, so there's that, and is it that Mel Tucker maybe just didn't handle this as best as he could have? from a uh, I don't think he's handled it poorly. He hasn't said anything personally disparaging about his old program. He it's well known that he wanted to personally address the Colorado players before he left and he wasn't allowed to do so. Has that been disputed by no. the Colorado Athletic Department? I didn't think so. No. I hadn't seen that. So, I don't I I think what Mel has done is a pretty standard coaching transition. Uh, other than the timing. I mean, it's, the timing is what everyone uses. Well, I don't think it's the timing as so much as that he uh, supposedly withdrew himself from consideration. And, you know, it was known that he was being considered and then said, uh, I thank you for the consideration, but I'm all in at Colorado. So, I mean, maybe he should have just been quieter, but sure. I don't think that's I don't think that's you beneficial can't. either. Right. You can't just be quieter. In this age of media, there was a time where coaches can could look at jobs and could, you know, it could be a little bit better known that they were interested or you know, leaving themselves as a candidate. That's gone now in the age of social media. Everybody knows everything all the time. Things leak, as we know. Uh, so you have to make a denial until such time that or you have to do it vaguely. What did didn't fickle say something vague in the press at one point? Yes. So like, is that what you want? Is that the difference? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just his turn in the barrel right now. Maybe there is some race angle to the thing. Although a number of the criticisms that I've seen have come from, uh, people of similar backgrounds to him. So I'm disinclined to say that it's race-based. I think it's just sort of, People think it's a ridiculous for, I mean, there is an element that people just think like, oh, MSU has the money for this because MSU right. is known yes. as a good program. When, when Alabama throws around 9 million, people don't bat an eye. When MSU throws around 5.4, it, it's like, oh, oh, this yes. is a thing. I, um, I think there's, I think there's more anger about that, that MSU has decided uh, we're, we're not playing in the kiddie pool anymore. And, yeah. and it is there's almost like a, a offendedness about some upstart trying to, to hop in, which isn't fair, obviously, because nope. if you look at the past decade, we've warranted the we're taking this seriously uh, outlook. We've proven that we can do it here, so now we're just going to dedicate the resources to it. Here, here. I think it's just time in the barrel. It'll pass. Yep. They'll find uh, something else to be upset about. So let's talk some good things about Mel Tucker. Yep. Um, we've got some hires that have been announced. Um, first is announced shortly before we started recording is his offensive line coach, whose name is Chris Kaplovic. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is uh, coming over from Colorado. And what little I know about him is that it seems like it's a strong hire. In the Great. 14 months he was the offensive line coach for Colorado, he took them from being 11th in the Pac-12 
and fewest sacks per game to second in the Pac-12. Um, pretty remarkable turnaround. That's fantastic. I'm not going to yes. pretend that I knew who Kaplovic was before this hire, though. Nope, me either. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I got to go on. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously Tucker said nice things about him, and, you know, you can only hope that he's able to bring some development to the offensive line. You know, it may well coincide with the fact that we might have some talent at O-line this year, but I'll take it. Yep. Um, here, here. The other coaching uh, news is that uh, Ron Burton, who we'd been told was leaving for Indiana, yep. is not, is being retained. And Mike Tressel, former defensive coordinator, is also being retained. It's unclear. I, I assume Burton will continue to be the D-line coach. Um, it's unclear who the defensive coordinator will be, though. Yeah, um, when it was announced that both of these gentlemen were coming back, there were no specifics about their role. So uh, when the news came out that, well, it was a leak again, that uh, at first the assumption was that Tucker was not going to retain any of D'Antonio's staff. What was your initial reaction to that? Um, Not thrilled. Uh, I mean, I, I, I get the clean slate, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, I, I think it makes sense to have some amount of continuity yep. for the players, especially especially because Ken Manny was leaving the strength and conditioning coach after being with the university for 25 years, that, you know, you would want someone associated with the team who was going to be around. And, and so I'm glad to see that, you know, even if Mike Trestle is not the D coordinator any longer, that someone who was responsible for the entire defense will will be there. Agree. Yeah, I mean we've been we've criticized members of the staff and Antonio generally for his unwillingness to make changes to that staff, but it's not like some of these guys aren't good football coaches and deserve to continue to wear the green and white and I'm very yeah, these glad. are two of the very good ones. Very yeah. good ones. I'm Ron Burton was a hurt. We we decided to retain, or to at least evaluate them and make decisions. And I don't think the door is closed on the other ones yet. Is that accurate? Yeah. So let's actually talk about that because uh, Jacob Panashuk, uh, defensive end, I believe he's been a two-year starter now. Mm-hmm. He's going into a senior season. Uh, tweeted... I believe quote tweeted or, you know, retweeted with comment a Mel Tucker tweet that said, um, that started something to the effect of you can bet on this. Um, and he did a play on words where, and I may be misstating it, but the, the gist was you can bet on this, that if, uh, Chuck Bulla isn't retained as a coach, I'm out of here mm. since deleted the tweet, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I do think it is, you know, I, I do think it's worth keeping in mind the age of yep. of these players and then, you, you know, their whole sort of structural system, this the whole structure to their lives or a large chunk of it anyway, was just taken away from them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not easy. Yeah, I, I don't think you can 
be too hard on a player who's defending his position coach and you know that's yep. the outlet that he was given and he took advantage of it uh he since deleted the tweet it would be a lot worse if he was like please don't bring back coach Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm not going to criticize someone that's advocating for you know someone that is close to them that's fine by me yes i, um, I don't care a bit of a swing in the miss, but, you know, um, would have probably counseled against it. And I bet he wishes he could take it back, but I, he's 20 There's and no, no hard feelings. Way worse things happening in the world than this. So. Yes. Uh, so in addition to some of that good news, we also have some other good news. Uh, you may recall that because we like to, from time to time, talk about 17-year-old boys that um, – Sometimes we dedicate segments to 17-year-old boys. <laughs> yep, and we got a little one here. Jordan Simmons was, despite being a three-star um, prospect, he's a running back, uh, was someone that Michigan State seemed to be excited about because mm-hmm. he had offers from LSU and Georgia, for instance. And from uh, Colorado. He Indeed. Uh, who decided, for whatever reason, not to sign during early signing day. And then Mark D'Antonio retires the day before National Signing Day, and he holds off, understandably so. Well, to your point, Greg, lo and behold, one of the places that had offered him was Colorado, so he knew Mel Tucker. He was already leaning to staying at Michigan State, but he is officially signed with Michigan State, and so that is a, a huge get for the 2020 class. Yep. Happy with it. That basically means... I don't think we lost any recruits as a result of Mark D'Antonio uh, retiring. Is that accurate? You would know better uh, than me. Not, not yet. I mean, okay. we'll see. We'll see what changes, but not yet. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the, uh, probably should have mentioned this earlier, but you know, with all the hoorah rah about Mel Tucker leaving Colorado and all the, uh, you know, frustration, they are of course searching for a coach. Yeah, and. Kevin, do you happen to know who they're considering for their coach? Well, there's just no one that they could possibly get. They're left so high and dry. How could they possibly get anyone right now? No one who's just so thirsty for it is saying, I will take any job, literally any job. No one's just, no one that's like, give me a lake where I can drive my boat. <laughs> Does ICP, the insane clown posse, tour? In Boulder? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They go everywhere. Boulder is a huge juggalo uh, hot spot in our in our nation. Well, that's right, folks. If you've listened to previous pods, then you know we're talking about the one, the only, Brett Bielema is interviewing for the Colorado job, and this feels right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, so God. happy. Poor Colorado. I'll feel even worse for Colorado if they end up with Brett Bielema. <laughs> <laughs> man i know uh, that we actually went kind of light on brett bielema at the time during one of our podcasts before mel tucker was hired and we thought like oh, maybe we're wrong maybe you know we're in a place now where we should be happy to have brett bielema i don't feel that way anymore he, i mean he was I'm like 64 on. and 28 you know like he had a solid go at things but yeah. no i i'm with you he's meh and looks like a boat person anyway that's been fun. Let's not have fun now, Kevin. Yeah. Let's talk about basketball. Yes. And Let us. so I think it's, I think context is important because if anyone listened to our special episode 
uh, when we covered Mel Tucker uh, last week, it was coming off the high of beating Illinois. Mm-hmm. And there it, was there was so much to be excited about in that game. Well, you know, there there was some things to be excited about. There were some things right, to be concerned about well, in that game. But but the high of it, my point is, you know, Rocket Watts just lift off. Yeah. How many times has that joke let's, been made? Let's let's not. I mean, I did the electricity thing, and I, I regretted it as soon as I said it. Um, you know, the 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 Tillman dunk was awesome, but to your point, yeah, uh, we were up twenty at the half and ended up beating Illinois seventy sixty nine. Not what you want to see. Um, and then it, things just got worse. We yeah. lost to Maryland on Saturday, and I want to take full responsibility for this loss. Good. You should. Um, like vampires, Maryland fans uh, can curse your team if you invite them into your home. And I inadvertently invited a Maryland fan into my home on Saturday. So, Spartan Nation, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This I is shameful. I, I didn't know. For this week, uh, everyone on Twitter, let us know what kind of penance Mike can uh, pay for this transgression against uh, our Spartans. Um, just give us some ideas. I don't know what it is, um, but uh, we something needs to be done. This cannot stand, Michael Jones. So, yeah. So the Maryland loss to me is a little harder to stomach because, because we were up seven. Because it's a loss. <laughs> well, that and at home. Um but we were up by seven with three minutes to play. Okay. And just it, well, you were there. Talk I to was. me about the game. Uh, well, it. I mean, I think I think we were. So it's actually harder to watch the game sometimes when you're there than when you get a better feel for it. You get the like the energy of it, but watching plays, individual plays, or getting a good idea of who's having a good game and who's not. I think it's much more difficult when you're at the game than when you're watching on TV. Um, so where, where you were watching the game from, there was a lot of energy in the area? Yes, especially in the second half. Thank you uh, mm-hmm. for setting mm-hmm. that up. Uh, it, particularly in the second half until the very end. Uh, there were times in the second half, Now I don't know if it helped that the national championship team was there and there was like a rededication almost of their, uh, of, of their accomplishments at halftime. Uh, but I mean, they pulled back, they tied it up, I think what at the five minute mark, six minute mark, something like that. If memory serves, and then they sort of went back and forth in Maryland for a while. Then they were up by five or six or seven with only a few minutes to play. Things looked pretty good right there. And then they just stopped scoring. Just stopped putting the, the ball in the bucket. I think teams have figured out that if you make life difficult for Cassius Winston, the team becomes pedestrian quickly. Um, in the Illinois game, things went okay with Cassius Winston on the bench. Maybe that works against middling and lower end teams, but against good teams, if they can disrupt Cassius, it's sort of what happened with Seton Hall. I know that MSU ended up winning that game, but Seton Hall had a great run or two by just making things hard for Cassius Winston. And, uh, yeah, MSU stopped scoring. Maryland kept scoring. That's how you lose basketball games. No, 
Thank you for that insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk some numbers real quick on on that Maryland game. So Cassius and Tillman both played 36 minutes. Okay. Um, Cassius had 14 points, five assists, and Tillman had 18 points, 11 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassius had four turnovers. Tillman had two. Um, Henry also played 35 minutes in that game, which I, I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> it, it had nine points, five rebounds. Like, it was a fine game. It was okay. Right. And and so, you know, I think we got to start talking about the role players. And, you know, normally Henry is the... Uh, the easiest person to turn to and and dunk on, but um, lately it's it's Gabe Brown, Gabraham, which has, has disappeared. Just, I mean, a ghost. I don't know um, what is happening there because he's getting PT. Uh, he's having opportunities, um, and then he's not capitalizing on them, and then he's going to the bench. I I don't know if it's certainly not. Like, oh, this is the rise of Rocket Watts, and he's replacing me on the team. They play totally different roles. I don't know what what is going on there. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gabe has made one three-pointer in the last five games. Oh, God. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, and, and to me, he's actually someone who maybe not in maybe can't take over the game the way that we think Aaron Henry might be able to, or rocket Watts has shown that he's been able to, but Gabe more than either of those guys is able to bring electricity to the game, Mm -hmm. you know, be part of a real, you know, a momentum swinging moment. Cause he has above the rim skills that those guys don't have. Well, he's six, seven. Do people realize that? No. I mean, how big he is. Yes. He's uh, a true wing. Yes. Who yeah, who can drop a three and and can just as easily slash and, and get up there for the alley oop. Though it, weirdly, we've not been able to execute on those, it seems, all season. A lot of Cassius's throw aheads and oops have been off. Like the yeah. transition, the the toss ahead to the uh, whoever's leading the charge, um, those have been off pretty frequently. And a lot of the oops have been off as well. I, you, you can almost bank on once a game there being a turnover because of either yeah the throw ahead or an alley oop. Yeah, that's that's gone awry. I th- yeah, the, this team is just not clicking right now. There was an exercise that I wanted to do. I shouldn't even say this right now. I wanted to see if I could pinpoint last season when things really started to click for the team, and if we were if it was earlier than this in the season or right around now, because right around now, if you recall, I mean, there were two tough losses to Indiana last year that were demoralizing. There were other issues that were going on. Things were never, I mean, they never dropped out of the rankings, so it wasn't quite this bad, but um, it doesn't seem right now like this is a team that's putting it together for a long March. Does it? So, no, it doesn't. And and so one of the things that's confusing to me is that, you know, I don't have the Kempom numbers in front of me, but they're 10. I yeah. do have them. So in the advanced stats, MSU seems to be good, but you look at them. 
it's I I don't see it, man. Adjusted offense has finally fallen behind adjusted defense. Um which is interesting. All season, the defense had, la- had lagged far behind the offense in terms of efficiency. So what this tells me is that if they can figure it out or if maybe Izzo tightens up the rotation a little bit and Rocket gets a lot more time and the offense can come back, um, maybe there's something you can do with this team. We'll find out. We've got what, – what does the schedule look like coming up other than Nebraska that we're previewing at the end of the – episode here it is putting me on the spot well Um, i was we've got it here three games in the next 15 days so things slow down a little bit yeah so it's it's worth noting yeah five games in the last 15 days and now we're moving into three games in the last 15 days so we got a, a minute to sort of rest um we've got thursday against nebraska tuesday next week against iowa um, so at Nebraska, at home against Iowa, and then going on the road again uh, to play Maryland. So, you know, uh, we at least get a breather with Nebraska a bit and then don't have to play until next Tuesday. So hopefully this team can get some things buttoned Rolling. up by then. Rolling. But it's looking increasingly like that Big Ten tournament is weirdly important. Well, this team's going to the tournament. The question is seeding at this point. So, I just mean more to to you know sort of to get the that. groove. Yes, and and getting sort of in a tournament mindset. Okay, I can buy that. So with that, Kevin, uh, we're done with the green wall, and it's time to turn to our first not a sponsor. That's right, Michael. This week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by the Cleveland Recruiting Services. Are you pretty good at your job at an amateur level? Do you have to convince yous that they should hang out with you and it's becoming tedious? Well, the Cleveland Recruiting Services does not have the job for you. Come operate at the top of your professional profession in a terrible environment where you're sure to fail and quickly. We'll so quickly. <laughs> we'll sign you to a huge project, give you some but give you some slugs to work with and send you off to retirement within a year. So don't come join us at the Cleveland Recruiting Center. That was was our best subtweet yet. Just, John, you done screwed up. Yeah, man. (laughs) He probably ends back up in college. I don't think he's done quite yet. But Anyway, shall we go off Grand River? We shall. And... Where else to start but something that slid through the uh, cryon at the bottom of the screen, the NCAA president, uh, Emirat himself, testified in front of Congress about the need for legislation on name, image, and likeness. Real mm. pioneer, Kevin. Real pioneer. Mm. Tell me so, about it. Yeah, so the gist of it is this, folks. You may remember that we covered name, image, and likeness a number of times, but in particular when California passed its law and indeed said one of the places that they'll likely challenge the law uh, that was passed in California and other states that have since followed is that it is a violation of the Commerce Clause of the Constitution. And Which we we're talked not- about. Yes, and we're not going to get back into it, but the gist of it is that if it's not, if something is interstate Congress, interstate commerce, then it is for Congress to regulate. Well, 
they're sort of doubling down now on or, or rather hedging. Uh, and so they're pleading to Congress to pass name, image, and likeness legislations, to which would, in effect, nullify state legislation, because then it would definitely make it an interstate commerce scenario, and that means Congress gets to rule the roost. So uh, they're hoping to make the legislation uniform, which I can appreciate that they don't want to have different rules for various different states and then you have certain teams benefiting in ways that others can't i mean we talked about that too that would be a mess yes it, it creates disadvantages for you know recruiting in ways that don't make a ton of sense anyway um so there have been a number of uh, continued criticisms to name image and likeness um athletes being able to profit off it. One of the places in particular that there's people advocating for are caps on uh, how much money can be made, which I kind of go back to is crazy because any other college student can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So why you're capping one student versus another? Well, professional sports has caps. That's where they get the idea from. And, I don't know do the they? full history behind that. Oh, yeah. You can only well, make so much in TV or full in commercial teams. revenues. Uh, no, but then there's there's also caps in the NBA. There's the there's the max contract in the NBA as well. No, oh, no, but that's not that's not capping what someone can make on their name, image, and likeness. Oh, I got what you're saying. Okay, never mind. Michael Jordan can go out and make as many commercials as he right. wants. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so one of the places that, that people have pointed to is that, oh, this would somehow hurt non-revenue sports. Um, I don't quite follow that argument because if you're at a program that has strong name, image, and likeness opportunities, and we'll just say football or men's basketball, and we don't mean to be disparaging towards women's sports, but the dollars sort of speak for themselves in terms of where revenue's coming. And so, yeah, I, I think certain listeners that we have on this podcast that want us to talk more about women's sports should show some interest in herself going to see women's sports on campus before she, <laughs> she tells us that we should cover them more frequently. Are you talking about somebody who C- continue, with? continue oh, okay. <laughs> anyway? Um, so there's, so I don't understand. A, I just I don't follow the logic of that. But B, I recently I don't know, Kevin. Have you have you seen the document documentary series on Netflix? Cheer. I have not. No. No. Okay. Well, actually, weirdly, highly recommend. Have right. a <coughs> excuse me, whole newfound respect for cheerleading as a sport. It is amazing. They're incredible athletes. But what was interesting about it is there's one member of this team who it was a, at a junior college so there are uh, I, I assume not the same restrictions on amateurism that there are elsewhere um, but who has quite monetized her uh, her notoriety within the sport okay through YouTube videos Instagram uh, parlayed into modeling opportunities <clears throat> and so the notion that uh, that there isn't a cottage industry 
unto amateurism within that sport is is uh, within all sports is a bit crazy to me that that there aren't people who are talents within their own non-revenue sports who play at a collegiate level that wouldn't be able to monetize their expertise through something as simple as a YouTube channel is sure is, is a little bit crazy like if you're into crew you probably know what schools are good at crew right and then if you go to said school and participate in their crew team you could it may not be that a car dealership is calling you up for a, a sponsorship deal but you would be able to monetize your name image and likeness through a revenue generating side hustle which is better than what you're allowed to do right now. Yeah, this is the gig economy. Catch up. So I, I catch you know, up NCAA, or if that's being able to get paid for coaching at camps and like actually get paid, not you know whatever instead of volunteering or being obligated to attend those camps or whatever it is that works. However or if they give right them the ten dollars an hour or whatever, like you could do a circuit during the summer. You know th- there are options, and so um, I. Look, I get the NCAA going forward, but some of the arguments that they continue to put out are just bogus. And um, yeah, obviously the place that we all look are the Zion Williams Williams of the world, um, Williams Williamsons. Why do I screw that up every time? That's okay. Um, but you know, it it it's important for other people too. And just because the the predominant amount of wealth is going to flow to some athletes and some sports which, by the way, is consistent with the rest of the market, doesn't mean that you should be depriving other students of the opportunity to make money. Anyway. Here, here. Great. Um, we did it. We fixed yes. it. Yes. Great. Tweet uh, this at Mark Emmerich, too. We fixed it. Yeah. So um, that's two. We're going to send this out to two people. I hope and everyone's now, taking notes. Let's make it three. Curtis Blackwell. Let's oh, go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, so this is not completely off Grand River, but as many listeners probably know, uh, Curtis Blackwell, former recruiting coordinator for Michigan State University football, is suing Mark D'Antonio, Mark Hollis, Luana K. Simon, MSU, and two officers who arrested him, whose names I've not cared to remember. (sighs) And it just keeps getting interesting. Yeah, there Um, were developments this week. Yes, and we put a lot of work into an episode a couple weeks ago. Uh, criticizing the Detroit news that uh, there's some news about Mark D'Antonio that broke that really overshadowed it. But uh, (laughs) anyway, so Curtis Blackwell, as we uh, touched on before, hired a new attorney who had an expertise in NCAA matters. Mm -hmm. That attorney has since left the case uh, very quickly claims less than a week. Really? I mean, honestly, wasn't it? I think it was maybe two. I think okay. it was maybe two, but uh, says that, you know, he left and that was no reflection on the validity of Curtis Blackwell's claims, though he wouldn't be able to say anything else in public. Mm-hmm. Um, his his obligations uh, did not cease, but did say that it was to uh, left due to a disagreement in tactics with his co-counsel. Uh, this feels perfect because... Uh, with the sanctions that have already been imposed and the fact that there is a pending motion 
to have the case dismissed that is being taken very seriously by the judge. I I got to believe that this attorney decided I'm out of here. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to be affiliated or associated with it, though. I think the stink of it's already on him. Um, it's sort of compounding things that that the the way Blackwell's team is running that case is gross and unprofessional. At best. Well, it makes sense. I, I don't know if we've said it this explicitly before, but you lose a lot of your leverage when Mark D'Antonio retires if you're Curtis Blackwell. So what do you have to yes. do instead? You have to go after the program. Now, they've lost more leverage again as a result of MSU successfully hiring a new coach. So they're more desperate even than they were before. It would be, it is my guess. Um, I think the dollar amount that's on the table, if there is such a thing for a settlement, I think that number is decreasing over time. But as we said earlier in the podcast, Hondo has his ear to the ground. He had uh, <laughs> Mel Tucker before anyone, and he maintains on Twitter that there is another shoe to drop, and it's not impossible. Maybe there is something else out there that they're holding over D'Antonio's legal team. And uh, we find out what that is in the near future. Or um, you can say that you heard it here first that, the as we said before, that the current NCAA uh, recruiting violations that are alleged are a giant nothing burger Yep, at best. Um, and that all that talk about why would anyone want to come coach here where there's an NCAA investigation pending, which there's not. Nope. Someone just filed something like that. That probably we had a question about this last week, and that actually probably is the thing that annoyed me the most is that somehow Blackwell's attorneys file something and then Tony Paul writes about it. And then all of a sudden there there's an NCAA investigation pending. None of the uh, none of the journalists bother to figure out the validity of those accusations or even what it would mean if they were true. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I think so. We're gonna get a judgment on the validity. Well, what is it? Blackwell's lawyers have to do the show cause thing, correct? And then yes, as to why the case evaluate that. Um, Yes. What kind of timetable do you expect that would happen? Mm, Two weeks. Okay. I, I expect a ruling within two weeks, if not sooner. And I would doubt that D'Antonio's counsel is going to settle in that time. Or do you think? They would be like, here's your last chance or something like that. Uh, Are these negotiations always ongoing in these types of cases? So, sure, but they they filed something that was um, pretty aggressive. And and considering that they also asked for one of the attorneys to no longer be allowed to practice law, (laughs) I I mean, that that is a – that is – as I've said before, that is aggressive in a degree that I have never seen in my practice of law. And that they've said they've never asked for in their entire career. So they feel pretty strongly. And it seems to be that it seems that the only things that are being considered now is whether the case should be dismissed and or whether the two attorneys currently representing him should be kicked off the case. That Mm. is the attorneys representing Blackwell. Right. So my guess is they're not going to negotiate at all until there's a ruling on this because it is a... Uh, it is the judge not kicking the case out is not a reflection on the merits of the case. Gotcha. 
So I think they wait to see if their home run maybe connects. And if it does, then uh, they win. And if not, then they can negotiate going forward. But the two sides don't seem to be close. No, I don't get the impression that there's a whole lot of settlement discussion. Or if there is, it's There seems to be some real hate. Yeah. Real hate between the two sides. All right. Shall we move on to some Twitter questions? But first... Uh, not a sponsor. Kevin, who do we got next? This episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is also not brought to you by Dwayne Wade, Common, Candace Parker, Shadwick Bozeman, and Scotty Pippen, who are partnering with the number 10. Why bother using anything else? Today's cold cut sandwich that you forgot to put in the fridge? Whatever. 10. Your son or daughter who's struggling with their third driving test? 10. You got 10s? Use the 10s early and often. Because apparently it's impossible to sum to less than like 47 between the five of you, <laughs> even in the first round. So Dwayne Wade, Common, Candace Parker, Chadwick Bozeman, and Scottie Pippen, not bringing you Can't Read, Can't Write, but definitely bringing you the number 10 for like everything. <laughs> and you know what? I think honestly that they wouldn't rate, review, or subscribe to our podcast because they couldn't give it a 10. Because it's only it's only five. Only five stars. <laughs> Only five stars, which is an invitation to you folks to go ahead and give this amazing episode five stars. Give us a five. We'll take it. Uh, so, Greg, let's head to Twitter questions. Great. And this first one is a bit more of a statement, uh, but it was from a first-time, first-time uh, interaction. So, Welcome. Welcome. Yes. Happy to have you. Nate C. Uh, says, my doom and gloom reactions are usually overkill. But this basketball team continues to meet and even exceed them. So super thrilled. Well, I think that's a product of your preseason expectations. I mean, on a normal year where there is no preseason number one ranking, I don't think this team is so underperforming. I guess you have Big Ten Player of the Year returning, potential National Player of the Year type candidate, uh, caliber player on the team. Um I mean, they just barely fell out of the rankings. They've won some high-caliber games. They're definitely going to the tournament. It's just a question of what the seeding is going to be. Um, We've been saying it a few times on the pod here at Nate C, and I appreciate it. Try to appreciate this team and Cassius while you've got them here, even even if they do end up sort of flaming out in the Sweet 16 or something like that. Um, It's fun getting to watch them when they're on it but it is equally frustrating when they're not on yeah and uh we have a kind of related question yeah following from it up. dog 97 which is came to us the day after the maryland lost why that's it just why seem doesn't close man it has opportunities and it cannot go for the jugular there are three games that i can point to in the last I mean, each of the last three losses, they had opportunities to win them, and they didn't take them. So I don't know what it is. They just can't seem to close it out. Maybe uh, Xavier Tillman having the baby, uh, which today, uh, I believe, the baby was born. So congratulations Congratulations. to the Tillman family. We're genuinely very excited for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we hope that it was an easy birth. Uh, yeah. but maybe, maybe there was a bit of that. The team sort of was kind of all waiting for it to happen. And who knows? Maybe that's the spark they need. You know, it, it could be any, the, 
the mental game with this team seems more complicated than I can recall in a while. I don't know yeah. about you. Yeah. I, there's stuff going on, man. There's the talent there. Clearly yep. there's the talent there. This team, if it had five dudes clicking just one night, my God, they could run anybody. Especially this year in college basketball. The conventional wisdom is definitely the truth. There's no one team is going to run away with this thing, and it's it's not predisposed. So if they can put it together, if Tom Izzo can sprinkle his magic over this group and get them gelling in the next month and a half, month is all we got really at this point, uh, that would be, I mean, things could still happen. It's not impossible. It's not over. No. No, I, I will say that I, I my hope springs eternal, and this team has the talent on it, and enough guys that can go off in a night that we just need them to be clicking with a, enough frequency that you can have that three man punch. And I don't care what the third guy is; it could be Aaron Henry, it could be Rocket Watts, it could be Gabe Brown, hell, it could be Foster. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it, it just one of those four dudes needs to have a night often enough that that this team has someone who can step up to be that that third person. With that, Greg, let's move to our favorite Frasier's frequenter, Raymond Chains. <laughs> One of. Current favorite. <laughs> Current favorite. We have a recency and bias. Very recency bias. And the person after him, Taylor, we're looking at you. There's no reason you haven't been to Frasier's yet. Um <laughs> Raymond asks first, uh, what can Spartan fans chant in response to can't read, can't write? Uh, what can they chant in response? Let, let me just let me just hop in here because yeah. you can disagree with me. I don't think there is anything you can chant, Raymond, because uh, the people who say that are just garbage. They're garbage human beings Yeah, who will make fun of you for working at McDonald's, uh, which – no shame in whatever your profession is, um, but they're just elite. Uh, I don't know I, where you're going I, with this whole train of thought. Let's bring I, it back. Ju- they're just garbage. Can you can you chant the Wikipedia page for the Big Ten championship game, um, or, or more notably the omissions on that page? Um, I, I don't know. Can you chant uh, seven million for nothing? do that you could do that you could do uh i mean you could do something jeff jackson related <laughs> uh there are options there are options i'm gonna have to think about that one beeline left you to get fired um oh that's good um where's john beeline where's john beeline if you're having to respond to can't read can't write though i figure you're in the wolverine den yeah, it's going to be hard for you to, you know, get some energy going. Um, yeah. It's all right. What we've named this podcast, Can't Read, Can't Write, to take the power of that statement away from them. Yes. So And, and we have we have gotten shout-outs for a uh, great name. So just embrace it. I, mm-hmm. I think that's where I've come around on is whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Um, next up, uh, what's your favorite source of sports journalism? Uh, I hate to say it because they're uh, disrupting, nope. they're disrupting oh. the a whole thing right now. The whole industry, the athletic seems to be doing a really good job of who they're hiring and what they're writing. 
Um, I don't read it all the time. Their podcasts are good. Uh, the LSJ for things that I'm uh, interested in, most notably the subjects of this podcast, seems to be the best place to go read. Um, I prefer it to the free. I just do. Uh, so those would be my two spots. What about you? Yeah, I, I would say um, as far as columns, you know, um, because I maintain that we're in a blood feud, and to your question last week, Raymond, with uh, Couch in the Rube, means I cannot compliment Graham, Graham Couch very much, so I miss Joe mm. Rex Road. But um, Graham does an okay job, and, um, you know, the tie-in from greenandwhite.com with uh, Solari's work is good. And they have a feature writer over at the LSJ, Nate Atkins, who I think does pretty solid work as well. So yep. uh, the LSJ is doing a good job. I get to give him credit where credit's due. Yep. Uh, next from Raymond, is Frazier's a good place for Spartan Nation to watch the game as well? If you have to be in Ann Arbor, you might as well be at Frazier's. That's what I, that I, that's my mantra. I live that all yeah. the time. Absolutely. Uh, great deals. Great deals. And there's enough TVs. Raymond, you were there. There are enough TVs. You can find your own little corner. If you call in advance and say, hey, I'm having a watch party of like 20, they'll say, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but you know, they'll take care of you. It is, you. it is a big 10 friendly place where, you know, the green and white of the dollar bill, that is King. So if you're there to spend money, they'll take care of you. And they're sponsoring your favorite MSU podcast. Yes. So. Let's be very clear. Favorite. Um, next up from Raymond, will Mel Tucker pack it up in a few years? I mean, I think just the math of it, you have to say probably, right? Uh, it's unlikely oh, that MSU is going to get another 13-year head coach. Those are rare oh, in oh, college okay. football. Yeah. So uh, the likelihood that MSU is going to get two of those in a row seems low. Um, so I'm going to bet either things don't uh, – on average, it's more likely that either things don't work out or they go well to the point where some – one of the very, very few super programs would take him. Um, but I I think we have every reason to expect that he'll be successful. In the meantime, you? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, we successfully fended off other super programs with Mark D'Antonio. Yep. Um, and so if things are going well, then I would expect that MSU make sure that Mel stays. Clearly, they're now, willing to open up the purse a little bit. Yeah, and if I mean, if the NFL comes knocking, maybe that's his dream. And so, you know, what are you going to do? But he does have sure, NFL pedigree, so it's yeah. definitely possible. But you know, if if it was like a Texas coming again, um, as they apparently sniffed around at Mark. I think we're able to ward them off. I think even if it's Notre Dame, we're able to ward them off. Um, Bama, uh, Auburn, um, LSU. I, I I don't know. I don't know if we can do that. Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, given his SEC ties, that would be the place I'm most worried. Though this actually, I, I meant to bring this up to you earlier, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> can we? Can we say that the Pac-12 is no longer a Power 5 conference? I mean, they're definitely... I think it's more accurate to say that there's a Power 
two conference. The the Big Ten and the SEC are the two most powerful conferences, and everything is some degree less powerful well, than that. Like the, I mean, I was even looking at at Cincinnati's schedule and comparing it to Clemson. Uh huh. Cincy has a harder schedule next year. Yeah. So I mean, I I know Clemson is its own thing, and you know the <laughs> it's ACC, its own thing. Well, I mean, they, they, they the are, but, well, but, but I mean, they're alone sort of atop the ACC. There's sure. not really a threat there, but the Pac-12 clearly just got outspent. They, they have the worst TV deal in the world. And to your point, yeah, the SEC is for real, but the ACC other than Clemson is a bit of a joke. What about and Notre if, Dame? Are you including Notre Dame in there? No, because in football, they're independent. Well, I mean, they're basically a member of the ACC. But but not. Okay. I mean, they are in basketball. But anyway, it, I, I'm just kind of, if the Pac-12, which, you know, for for the other side of the Rose Bowl, can't compete on dollars, you got to wonder, is it a serious conference anymore? There are geographic disadvantages to them. Like, they're... They have only a third of the U.S. population on their coast. Now, I guess they have <laughs> the whole third, but like, <laughs> it's hard for them TV-wise. It's just hard to watch Pac-12 games unless you're going to stay up. I mean, it, a big part of their a big part of their population though is in California, which is the sixth largest economy in the true. world. That's and true. and by the way, not short on football talent. Nope. It's it's a big state. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses for the Pac-12. It's dumb. The Conference of Champions should be putting out better than this. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I just had to throw it out there because I, I, when when the Pac-12 can't cough up to keep somebody, that to me is a it presents a, a serious question of are you a legit conference? And Mel Tucker talked about losing an assistant coach because of money and how that was upsetting. He did that at the donor's dinner that uh, that he was negotiating his contract Indeed. from. So, Raymond, thank you for your question. Will yes. Mel Tucker pack it up in a few years? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry for the aside, folks. Uh, next up, Taylor Anderson asks, favorite spot to recover after a crushing MSU loss? Could be on campus, in East Lansing, or elsewhere. Kevin, I think we keep this uh, East Lansing-focused. Yeah, dude. Crunchies, for sure. Easy. Wasn't that also your victory? When Dom asked where to go after a win, wasn't that your response then too? Yeah, crunchies, easy. <laughs> Is it are Gumby sticks involved or Pokey sticks rather involved oh, in any way, shape, or form? Oh, bro, you clearly you've not been back of late. Wait, what happened? Did they did they close Gumby's uh, slash Goombas slash tax evasion headquarters? <laughs> oh, is no, no longer in East Lansing. That You're is now my a Conrad's corner uh that location that's so, actually a solid location though yeah it's not bad i mean i, that I get to stop there we're on delta street i get to stop there a lot so i'm happy with it being there yeah um what about you what's it going to be now that you've demonstrated your lack of knowledge of the geography of east lansing i mean i just assume that it's me curled up in the shower in case hall crying into a beer <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean i honestly i think maybe i need to rage a little bit harder after a crushing loss that might be the rib for me po- okay. post loss might i just need to get myself back amped up you know yeah we'll shark bullet and then we'll go to the rib. Done. 
<laughs> Next up, Rebecca Sawyer asks, based solely on the strength of sports, where should I go to grad school? Illinois or Wisconsin or maybe Toronto? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Go ahead. So go ahead. Um, as much as we appreciate Lovey Smith and his What's the degree? Beard, What's the degree? Uh, this is a PhD, I think. Um, In? Language something. Um, okay. It's okay. got to be Wisconsin. Unless you're a big Argos fan. Going big on the CFL and the Argos for Toronto. Uh, other than that, God, it's got to be Wisconsin. Like, easy. Illinois is a poor, poor sports school, right? Like, what did yeah. they have? Yeah, um, I, and I don't know what school it would be in Toronto. So, I mean, UT. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, then uh, Wisconsin, for sure. Sad, as sad as that makes me. And Madison is... I mean, Toronto's a cooler city, but Madison, if you're trying to combine sports with a cool place to live, is probably the place to go. Right? Good. Done. S- silence from my co-host. We made, uh, we made the decision of her <laughs> of her entire academic career. Uh, At, look, just I, now. I, I, I like people sending us live questions. Yep. Um, next up, real epidemic jerk guy who coming in hot with continuing to insist on uh, <laughs> spelling your name wrong. Uh, and I left the spelling in there just for you. Uh, he wants to know, can I blame Grecky? Grek, uh, for the basketball team? Yes, is the answer. Yeah, I'll take it. Heap it on me. I'll, I will carry this, this, uh, this burden for the team. When it comes to Josh Langford's foot, just call Kevin Grek. Uh, Tanya Harding. Um, next up, what round will the basketball team exit the NCAA tournament? So you've got to you got to remember when you're answering this question what Izzo's record is on the second game of the given weekend. He basically doesn't lose, so that leaves you opening weekend, round of 64, Sweet 16, or Final Four. <laughs> um. I'm going to go with the sweet 16 that it just, it seems like it's shaping up to it to be a sweet 16 type exit. What do you think? I think this team is weirdly able to put three games together and is an elite eight exit. Okay. I, I, but they just hit that. There's no coaching that can do it. It's just no one shoots the ball. Yeah. I mean, is was trying to coach wins right now and they're not all working. So, no. Uh, who will round out the football coaching staff? Let's speculate. I think that after his um, interview in Colorado, uh, he'll get turned down. He'll hook up the old boat. <laughs> he'll hook up the boat to the to the Jeep truck that he bought with the last <laughs> of his money from his last football job. And he'll just drive up. <laughs> To Scandalaire Center and just knock on the door, <laughs> knock on the window until they give him some kind of gig. And Brett Bielema will be the student events coordinator uh, for MSU football. That'll be the last uh, football coaching staff hire. I love I love the image of Bielema in his truck with boat just honking the horn in the parking lot. It's also <laughs> like, a Jeep truck. Yes. And then when that doesn't work, he just walks 
keeps the truck on though obviously uh and then walks up to the window of mel tucker's office and is just knocking until someone responds to him he could even uh, if he did the say anything thing where he held up the boombox, what song uh, would he be playing Ooh, ooh, ooh! i don't know any icb songs <laughs> icb the insane clown posse the whole catalog would be played the entire um, discography or or he just straight up does a love actually like with the cue cards mm. um mel i've had success in the big 10 next card and then i left and had no success next card now i'm coaching a position group <laughs> oh at a not good team all right um I I also think um, I would like Mel to uh, take a run at Clinkscale in Kentucky because I don't think they can uh, continue to give raises to their coaches. Um, and I'd like them to take a run at Heartline down at Ohio State, even though they print money down there. I just want him to continue to uh, bump up salaries for other people. That's a good charity uh, service that he's providing. Here, here. So... Um, Last up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, can you imagine if MSU Twitter existed when Saban left for LSU? I think this oh is a good God. question. That is a great question. And when you consider the amount of salt that there still is out there for this, I just can't even imagine the meltdown. It's, Do you then, think that salt would continue? It would exist longer because of Twitter? Yeah. And then the hiring of Bobby Williams, I think, would have just been even further of a meltdown. Um no, we're very lucky. I don't know that MSU fandom could have recovered from from such a such a showing. Oh, it really stresses me out just thinking about it. Yeah, it's real weird that we have um, a professional aspect to amateurism, and that, that, that there's. I mean, obviously, it makes sense that you go outside of your alumni base to hire coaches. Um, but they're professionals. And so it is weird that we, we don't feel professionally about our institution, right? Like we feel, <laughs> we feel, <laughs> uh, but they, they don't, they, they feel the paycheck and I can't blame them for that. So, um, that was a good sorry, question. Upper deck jerk guy. Yeah. I like that one. Um, couple of good questions from Matt Thasier here. Uh, what are reasonable expectations for the remainder of the basketball season, regular season, Big Ten tourney, and NCAA tourney? We covered this a little bit, but why don't we get into the bits we didn't? Yeah, more specifically, uh, I don't think it's reasonable to expect a regular season championship at this point. Would you agree? I think that... It'd I be think crazy. That, that, that sailed with the home loss to Maryland. Um, Big Ten tournament? Uh, it's weird for me to have expectations for the big 10 tournament. I don't know. I have never really felt those feels. Um, so I'm going to say make it to the last four or maybe even to the title game would be nice. Uh, I don't expect that they'll win that tournament. Um, and then for the NCAA tournament, NCAA tourney, generally I'm putting sweet 16 out there. I'm just going to remain consistent with that. What do you think? So I have a theory about Cassius that um, he doesn't feel like he has anything left to prove when it comes to the Big Ten. Mm. He's he's proved it. There's only one thing eluding him, and it's the natty. And so all of this is just just foreplay, and he's not interested. He's going to go Super Saiyan in the tournament, like what's his name at UConn years ago? Shabazz Napier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. I'm on board. That's, That's my theory. 
I'm here for uh, that ride. So I, I take back my Elite Eight prediction. I'm saying Natty. Natty. Um, okay. You heard it first. Can't read, can't write. Yep. Uh, also, I, if anyone fills out their bracket without MSU winning, you've, you've cursed the team. Um, Thazier also asked, great question. Uh, what will you guys cover once basketball and spring football are done? We, well, first off, we're going to have a lot of football to talk. Thank you, Mel, for really bridging this for us. <laughs> yeah. Big favor. Well, thank Mark, you, we want- Mark, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it, it, people keep asking for non-revenue sports. Uh, I think we're going to pick up on some of that. We haven't really figured out what that format is going to look like, but there are plenty of uh, sporting events that go on uh, during that time. So we'll cover those. And then we'll probably dial up the off Grand River segments a little bit more as well. Yeah, and maybe also do uh, as the football season approaches, um, you know, maybe we'll do a preview once a week on, um, on on teams that we're playing. Do a bit of a deeper dive than you would historically get or, you know, not historically, you, you know, you would get on a week to week episode. So um, there are options, but, you know, maybe we'll do a bunch of um, best of the decades <laughs> or other lame fillers or just all Twitter questions. So. You know, Greg's favorite. Yeah. Uh, John Hubbard asks, in the spirit of President's Day, who's your favorite president? Really trying to get us to alienate some listeners. Yeah. John is a bit of a history buff, uh, and he's been listening to uh, President's uh, podcast. My favorite president has got to be President Thomas J. Whitmore. You remember him, right? What? President Thomas J. Whitmore. When... Uh, on Independence Day, when the Earth was overrun by aliens, he <laughs> really galvanized. I mean, he he really brought us all together in that rousing speech at Area 51, and um, <laughs> really turned the tide against the alien menace. And we were able mm-hmm. to fight mm-hmm. back, uh, thanks to uh, Russell Case, I believe was the gentleman's name, and his. Uh, his uh, giving of himself that day uh, to bring down the first of the of the alien mothership, um, and Whitmore, of course, led us back uh, in our fight and, and took back over uh, these United States on this Independence Day. What about you? Um, who's the president from twenty four? Who was also the All State spokesman? No idea. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, take it back, uh, Jeb Bartlett. From um, the West Wing. From the West Wing, yeah. Obviously, favorite. John is not going to be satisfied. <laughs> right here. John, I, I mean, look, uh, DM me. I, I will give you some of my favorite presidents, and I'll give you the whys. But uh, uh, this is a this is a, a big tent, big tent podcast. Big All right, tent. CT and TC. Actually, asks uh, one decent question and one trolling question. Uh, good on you. Um, when Izzo leaves MSU, who are your top choices to replace him? I think in all of this, we don't have to worry about that. I think Izzo saw that the programs are, even when you think that they're on stable ground, that they can get a little shaky. I think he's sticking around even longer. Stevie gave us a few more years of Izzo. This D'Antonio situation gave us a few more. I, there were times, there have been times where I thought Izzo's like five years out of retirement or you know something like that. I think he's ten right now. 
Honestly, yeah, like seven. Brennan Brennan Quinn said or reported that he, Izzo said that he will be buried there. Yep. I mean, that was from the press conference from eighteen. Oh yes. Place. So, yes. Um, I and though I do really think that would be awesome if he was actually buried there, like an eternal flame for, for Izzo. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great. Um, I I do want to say I hope that Dwayne Stevens gets an interview. Yeah, that's for sure. that's all I'll say is that uh, I, I mean, we've hired from within before and had a little bit of success with that. So why not give that an honest choice or an honest option? And uh, you know, by the time Izzo retires, I I don't know who would be a choice for me to replace him. Agree, because we're just we're just not even close to that. Maybe John um, Beeline. <laughs> uh. Next up from CT and TC, has anyone ever lied directly to your face when asking you for money? Have you ever lied to someone's face? Would you respect someone that lied to your face? <laughs> CT, we've covered this a bit. Um, How do you want to handle and, this? Um, so... Yes, someone has lied to my face when asking for money. Uh, usually when I pull off of an exit from the highway in Philadelphia. Um, have I ever lied to someone's face? Um, oh, man, maybe I'll start up a um, like a little uh, Venmo campaign, you know? Put out a little video. Yeah, there you go. Ask for some money. For can't read, can't write. I'm quitting my job. All in on can't read, can't write. Sure. And let's go. would would I respect someone that lied to my face? I would say CT and TC nuance matters. And if it is for benefiting, say, a program of football persuasion, um, then yeah, I respect it. You got anything to add to that? I wish I had done some uh, some more research on U of M coaches before we. <laughs> There's definitely some lying that has gone on back in the day. Um, or well, even just maybe, recently. I just can't think of any. Cases. Are there any good quotes from when Harbaugh got hired, like promising championships or anything like that? Yeah. Oh, there you for, go. For seven milli a year. Yeah. Seven milli. We're going to take response, it to Ohio the way, they... State and we're, we're going to win Big Ten championships. That's That's quite the lie. And by the way, to circle back to Raymond Chains, that's the response uh, to Can't Read, Can't Write is seven Millie. Um, next up, uh, speaking of Millie, it's Zilly, Sam Zill, asking, I know y'all weren't pleased that Stanley didn't get on the plane to meet with prospective coaches, but is it really that bad if athletics aren't his top priority, especially given the current perception of MSU? I thought it would be nice maybe if Stanley got more involved uh, on the final pitch. I wouldn't want him to be micromanaging the process altogether, but this is the pitch. Like when you're selling new business in a company, you know, you have your standard salesperson that's on the account, they're doing all the minutiae. And then you have your group that comes together at the end for specified meetings that involve, you know, directors or VPs or whatever it is, this entire larger group. And I thought that Stanley could have been more involved in that larger group, particularly with the concerns that were cited in the media. He would be in a great position to answer those types of questions rather than an associate athletic director or whomever we sent. Not that she was doing a poor job, 
but the president of the university has more cachet in those situations. What do you think? So I think this is a great question, but uh, the the sort of leading nature of the question I, I would disagree with, and he, a few reasons. One is that sports is the way that most people in the United States interact with our brand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Stanley being involved with that hire and being able to put language around it that is attempting to rehabilitate MSU's image, which is needed because MSU is so much more than the few people who did terrible things. I mean, it is a giant alumni base and a giant mm-hmm. student base who care very deeply about the terrible things that happened at our at our school and under our watch and, and feel very horrible about it. So there's that. There's also the between 35 and $40 million in profit that the football program brings in that support a ton of non-revenue sports. And that's really important. That's providing opportunities to people, um, young men and women, who, who wouldn't necessarily have those opportunities. And um, it is also probably his biggest decision or or the biggest thing that has happened under his watch that people are paying attention to. And it is his opportunity to show that this is a new era in MSU in terms of leadership. And and I got to say, I the, just saying that out loud is what makes me most disappointed in the whole affair is that I didn't feel like this was Stanley's MSU. I felt like this was the board of trustees and Beekman's MSU, which is everything that we do not want anymore. It, I mean, the, the bulk of the board is pre-Nasser, Luana K. Simon board. And Beekman uh, I was think half. Fine. All right, fine. You're, you're going to—the board of how many? Eight. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to splice me on four versus six. Fine. But—and Beekman. So there's— a lot there that Stanley could have done a lot for MSU in painting it as a new day because this was a very high profile moment. So, indeed, a, a great question still, but I, I would just uh, I would slightly disagree with you on it. Um, last up, Jer Bear, uh, Mike, that's me, uh, mm-hmm. has said uh, the look for how the football team said, mm, great, Jer. All right. Uh, I've said in the past that uh, how the team looks is more important than the wins and losses next season in football. Does uh, that change in any way the new coach? And what is the thing you most intensely plan to follow? Well, this is this is for you. I, I don't think it is. But uh, so, no, that doesn't change at all. The year one is particularly with the, the timing of retirement does not change in IOTA. If it is a somewhere between four and eight and uh, seven and five team, then I am, I mean, four and eight, I'm not thrilled with, but like whatever. If, if this team is scoring consistently over 24 points, I'm excited. If we're reloading on defense, learning a new scheme, we're probably going from four, three to three, four. I'm fine. I'm genuinely fine. Um, there's going to be some youth in the secondary. Like there's, it's okay. It's all okay. Um, the place that I am most interested in looking at is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Are we able to stay healthy and are we 
showing progress? Or is the yards per carry up? So those are the places that I am most interested in. in, That's what I'm most interested in following because I think you're going to see playmaking out of the wide receivers next year one way or another. Kevin, you got anything to add to that? I no, I agree. I, I think you just want to see progression from the team from the beginning of the season towards the end of the season. That's the thing to keep an eye on. So, <laughs> so Mel should really bomb his first game, and then it'll all be uphill from there. Yeah, in, in a weird way, the worst back. thing that happened to the MSU program was that 2017 year going 10 and three, uh, because it really set our expectations for the following two years and. They weren't warranted. Indeed. Um, Jerry Bear also asks, what is the appropriate time? (laughs) This is a very edgy question. What is the appropriate time to say your basketball team sucks without losing all credibility? And this is dripping with dripping with sarcasm. Yeah. What? Give us the background on this. Um, I'm not going to call out a particular person on Twitter, uh, but someone who has a large following um, on on Instagram may have said that the basketball team sucks. Um, okay. without an ounce of irony to that statement, which is just bullshit. <laughs> yes. So uh, at the same time, the argument, though, that like, hey, these guys are scholarship athletes. They can't possibly suck. You would suck. You'd be so much worse if you were out there. I also don't find that to be convincing either. So uh, it is reasonable to expect a certain level of winning and gamesmanship from the team we're going to say that the team has to be well below 500 overall for it to truly suck just outside of the rankings, getting receiving rankings uh, of the 300 and however many teams there are um, and to be 27th uh, that doesn't suck. So um, I'm going to take well sub 500 uh, five to 10 win team. Um, it, yeah, Izzo sucks. has to miss a tournament for me to feel that way, and this team is not missing a tournament. Agree. And and and, and I would I would also say like, would you agree or disagree that this team is even with uh, without Langford that this team is underperforming expectations? Well, certainly it's underperforming expectations easily. No, no, no. Well, I mean, like, it, pretend yeah, that we even knew Langford was... Langford adjusted terms, it's still underperforming expectations. There are reasonable expectations that some of these role players would have taken steps forward in ways that they have not. But agree or disagree also that this team can mop the floor with any team. I'm not saying they do or consistently, but can mop yeah, the floor with any it's team. It's certainly possible that they would beat any team, for sure. So I think by that definition, um, sucks is an overstatement, and uh, but they don't suck, or they're 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 just underperforming. There you go, and that's okay. We fixed it. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you know, sometimes I think basketball, as much as it stressed me out, is a reminder that it's just a game. Like you can't get tied up in one single game because it's it's what four games, five games in March. Yeah, I mean, the stakes are much lower during the regular season than they are with football. Just get to the tournament, see what happens. Yep. All right, uh, Kevin, this is not a sponsor I'm very excited about. Uh, You want to tell the folks 
who our last not sponsor is? You should tell the folks. I've done the previous two. All right. Well, oh, right, I can right. do it if you want, though. Uh, well, uh, so, um, uh, folks, look. This is, <laughs> you know, we are we're thirsty. Um, you know, we're a hungry podcast here, and we will take sponsorship where we can get it. We're scrappy. We're upstart. We are uh, with no core values. Um, and so this one is not brought to you by the Houston Astros and Louis C.K. They're teaming up. They're putting on a not apology clinic. Uh, so, you know, you might be on the top of the world. Everything is great. But there's just that one thing. You know, that, that itsy bitsy tiny little thing. <laughs> just, it's just a thing. You know, the thing. But because of this thing that, God, that, that's there, nobody's talking about your accomplishments anymore. Nobody. Well, come with us. Come with Louis C.K., come with the Houston Astros, and let us help you craft a apology together. It'll be great. People will forget about that little thing. Because after all, you're at the top of your profession, and that's what's important. So join us. The Houston Astros and Louis C.K. And of course, can't read, can't write. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> On our not an apology clinic. This uh, is the company that we keep. <laughs> <laughs> Big Louis C.K. supporters here. Um, Kevin, <laughs> let's talk about the next week in sports. And uh, that is a basketball team. Uh, in Michigan State Spartans, who are playing a team that um, has named themselves after an agricultural activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about the Aggies, because that's a respectable name, but the Cornhuskers. We are going to Nebraska. Well, going on the road. The, going the on the road, taking a, taking a shot out on the road. Uh, this is a Nebraska team that just took it to Maryland. In Maryland. So they're a formidable group except for the fact that they're not, and that would have been an epic collapse, and they never <laughs> should have been in that position to almost beat Maryland. So, Turgeon-esque, um, if you will. Yes. It would have been nice if Turgeon Turgeoned himself during the <laughs> MSU game. Um, so they are capable of going to the glass. They took Maryland on the rebounding like pretty good. Uh, We've not been rebounding this, that well this year. No, but it's strange because they play really small. I don't know if you remember this from the first time uh, MSU played Nebraska. Uh, their tallest starter is a six-seven dude. They play four guard rotations, and then they bring six-nine off the bench. So they don't get Watch out. very big at all. Um, the real question is: Are they the worst team in the Big Ten, or are they the second worst team in the Big Ten? And I don't second second god northwestern man i chris collins anyway um so i don't think there's too much to be excited about here we left it for last because we always do this a format of the show but also because there's not a whole lot to say uh it would be a major concern and if, if msu lost this game and we'd have a lot to talk about next week but i expect to win handily so anything you wanted to add about the corn husker no, it, it, to your point, if um, if we lose this game, I maybe would adjust some of my Twitter question answers. Mm. So then they would suck. No, nah, I'm not saying that, but uh, come on, we can't lose this game. Yeah, this is this is a you cannot lose this game. It's you, like you have you've got to show that the Big Ten is not that up for grabs. There are some people who are at the bottom, and their name is Nebraska and Northwestern. 
right? Yep. All right. Does Hoiberg so, make the the bus ride back, the train, the the, the airplane back? Is he staying with Dad? Uh, I think if Nebraska wins, Hoiberg does not make the plane back. <laughs> he just <laughs> moves over to the other side. He changes. Ooh, but here's a question. Here's a question. And I, I know we're running a little bit long, but if the reserves, if MSU runs with this game and the reserves get to play. I want him just lighten it up. And then I want his dad to order like a hack on him or something like just get him off the court. Or does, does Izzo bench Hoiberg just as like a don't, don't, don't even mess with me. Just funny. like doesn't put him in the game. Anyway, uh, Stevie gets in first. That's my prediction. Okay. You're wrong. All right. Hoiberg gets in first I, for I, sure. I, but no, Hoiberg definitely gets in first. Uh, anyway, uh, with that, folks, this is the end of the podcast. And uh, we thank you for listening. Kevin, as always, Grekers. That's uh, Grek without an E at the end, Upper Decker guy. Grek A. <laughs> Grek A. <laughs> uh, go green. Go away, Johnson. Oh.